Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, which shares stories of spiritual awakenings, spiritual communication, healing, miracles, and ways to develop your intuitive inner wisdom or reach higher states of consciousness. Today I am delighted to welcome a former guest of the show, Paul Jeffrey Davids, co-author with John Selby of Blowing America's Mind, who was on the show previously discussing his book, An Atheist in Heaven. That show can be heard on my website, CherylGlick.com, by going to the radio page link and going to August 14, 2017. Hello, Paul, and thank you for joining me again on Healing from Within. Well, thank you, and thank you for the good introduction. Okay. Paul, as listeners of Healing from Within well know, my guests and I share intimate stories and experiences as we attempt to understand life in both a physical and energy-based way and come to realize ways to humanize ourselves and help others also evolve and live in a world of greater compassion, healing, and understanding of the many mysteries of life. In today's episode of Healing from Within, we will discuss how two Princeton alumni reveal the true inside story of how they got caught up and nearly done in by the CIA's LSD-laced deep hypnosis research while they were Princeton students. We will discover how Princeton and the now-defunct New Jersey Neuropsychiatric Institute would only just two of 86 American institutions engaged in top-secret mind-control research projects funded by the CIA. And you know, Paul, in light of what is going on now and the FBI and DOJ, it seems nothing much has changed. (laughs) (laughs) The the more it changes, the more it remains the same. (laughs) But uh, blowing America's mind is about... uh, uh, a, a different time and a different set of problems, uh, not so much uh, political, but uh, it's a, it's it's about well, the it, it was also yeah, it was also political, the war, the Vietnam War, and it was also those were the times. Yeah, the yeah, times. Those were the, those were the times we lived in. But what confronted John Selby and and myself, and what we're writing about in blowing America's mind, is our personal experiences of walking into a project that we participated in with one set of expectations about what we were doing and what would happen as a result of it and never being told that it was funded by the CIA and that it was one small part of a much larger CIA undertaking in mind control research that was like it was it it was an octopus with uh, 150 tentacles let's say because it reached you know throughout the country Many institutions well, willingly participated secretly in these experiments on uh, on ordinary on students, students and prisoners, people in hospitals, hospital and yes. right. It's unheard of. It's unconscionable. But we're going to go on to to find out a little bit more. Well, how in fact? Do you think the CIA got tangled up in things like psychedelics, meditation, and Princeton student life, and mind control? What were the reasons at that time? There were reasons. It was after World War II, and uh, 
we're we're always sort of in a state of mind worrying about war and how we're going to deal with enemies and and get the upper hand that has been a third dimensional way of thinking about who eats you know does dog eat man or man eat dog first and that has been a reality we've lived with for thousands of years but it's changing i believe now well that's well put um as far as how did they get involved you know with uh, in the early 1950s um with the korean war and prisoners of war apparently brainwashed by certain mind control techniques used by the north koreans um, and then at that time the knowledge that russia was researching what they called uh mind control uh, which uh, had a very specific meaning, having to do with the manipulation of an unsuspecting person to change their behavior, their attitudes, their consciousness, their experiences, uh, and to cause them to do certain things they might not otherwise do. So what our book focuses on, John Selby and I were students at Princeton. We were psychology majors. And uh, near Princeton was the New Jersey Neuropsychiatric Institute. turned out that that was one of the 86 institutions that the CIA had enlisted for this research. But they had also directly enlisted Princeton University, as became apparent later, 10 years after we were part of the project, the whole thing was exposed. And the involvement of many of the Ivy League institutions, um, was named in the CIA uh, papers and what was declassified. There was Harvard, Columbia, Princeton. Uh, the news that Princeton students had been experimented on as part of MK Ultra for a period of over 12 years. Mm. Uh, now, for us, it didn't take place at the university itself. It was with psychiatrists and psychologists some of whom were connected with the university, but uh, it was nearby in Skillman, New Jersey. Um, they had a psychological research center that was part of really a mental hospital. There were full-time patients there. What was fascinating and what drew us in was the fact that the head of the program was Dr. Humphrey Osmond, who was famous. We had heard of him. Everyone interested in psychedelic research and LSD had heard of Humphrey Osmond. Not quite as famous at that time as Timothy Leary, who became the public spokesperson for promoting LSD in the era of the hippies. Mm -hmm. But Humphrey Osmond was um, a psychiatrist who had done fascinating research with psychedelics, beginning up in Saskatchewan, Canada, with Native Americans who used peyote in their ceremonies. And he came down to Princeton, set up shop at the Bureau of Research, experimented further with peyote and mescaline. He, he gave that drug to, um, uh, to the author of A Brave New World, Aldous Huxley. Mm -hmm. That resulted in a famous book being written about that called The Doors of Perception. So we knew who Humphrey Osmond was. And when it was advertised that they were having a hypnosis program, uh, and we learned from other subjects that LSD was part of it, we thought this would be an opportunity to have some mind exploration in what would seemingly be the most safe way to do it, 
Well, you were bright and you were creative and inquisitive, but perhaps it wasn't such a great choice now that you look back <laughs> on it. But I, I want to read something from your book, The Lawless Decision of the CIA to Secretly Try to Use uh, Depth Hypnosis psychedelic chemicals and ancient spiritual practices as a mind manipulation combo ended up with LA Times blaring out a 70s expose headline they called the CIA blowing America's mind once again this nation confronts how to prevent uh, its powerful secret intelligent agencies from becoming a threat to the very freedoms they were established to protect well, this is the point here. This experiment, according to an article in the uh, Los Angeles Times, suggests it was a result of concern that the Russians and Chinese were developing effective techniques in mind control. They're still doing that. But I, I want to say something. For our listeners, uh, you can go to the radio page of my website, CherylGlick.com, and listen to Marie Delacourt, author of Mind Wars, A History of Mind Control, Surveillance, and Social Engineering, and you can learn more about the use of troubling experiments uh, also by the CIA, uh, which was uh, they were began after World War II and the involvement of our government agencies. And indeed, the use of mind control has been going on really forever. I'd like to make is that, that uh, our book, Blowing America's Mind, which just came out a couple months ago, um, is nonfiction, but it's not like uh, it's nonfiction in the sense that we're telling the true story of what happened to us as being part of this program, what we lived, what we experienced, the negative consequences yes. mm -hmm. uh, that 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 befell us, how we woke up to the harm that the program was apparently doing to us. And so in that sense, this reads more like a novel than uh, a nonfiction book, which is like a study. of. This is not like a study of the whole CIA mind control program. This is a personal story. But and it is the truth. Absolutely. We're telling what happened to us, what we lived, step by step, how we got into the program. And the problems we named the you real had. Names. Right, and the problems you we, had. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, we named the real names. Uh, the doctors are deceased now. Uh, right. Humphrey Osmond is dead. The others he worked with, Bernard Aronson, and uh, the president of Princeton University at that time, Robert F. Goheen, is deceased. He became Richard Nixon's ambassador to India, by the way. But he was very interested in and concerned about students and psychedelic drugs at that time. And, and his conversations with my co-author, John Selby, about LSD and the work at the Institute are part of the book. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a drama that I ask people to read to live through it the way we lived through it. Well, I also have experience with a sister who also uh, went off to California and mm -hmm. did some of these type things that are described in your book, and the consequences mm -hmm. were serious. But uh, you document your experiences a few years after graduating, but then you realize the confessions and self-exposure, uh, which involved the raw reality of it all, uh, you weren't prepared to reveal at that time. And can you tell us a little why you, why you decided to keep silent at that time about it? 
Well, you know, let me put it this way. It was a couple of years after we underwent the experiences. Um, we moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, so from Princeton, New Jersey, to California. And he's up in San Francisco, sort of took refuge in a um, in a religious seminary at that time, which gave him a continued draft deferment. I ended up at the American Film Institute, the Center for Advanced Film Studies. I'd always wanted to be a film writer and director, and I've had a long and successful career at that. And at that time, I wanted this story, which became the book Blowing America's Mind, I wanted that to be the first film that I would make after I finished as a student at the Institute. So John Selby and I got together, and we wrote and worked on this for, must have been about a year and a half. Writing this book was really, I think, sort of the main thing that both of us were doing at that time. We couldn't finish it then. There was too much we didn't know. MK Ultra and the CIA's involvement had not been exposed then. It wasn't until 10 years later that the top-secret papers were divulged and the country found out for the first time the scope of the mind control project. So although we could begin to tell our real story uh, back then, uh, we, we couldn't complete it. And we tried again 10 years later, and by that time, we each had careers. Yeah. And we had different paths that we were off on. I mean, I actually ended up being, for Marvel Productions, the the head project coordinator, the production coordinator for the original Transformers cartoons. So I was doing children's television programming. Wasn't the best time of my life, you know, to come out with a book about no. my experiences with LSD and the CIA back when I was in college. Well, right? not, not only that, but John Selby in the book talks about how he was approached and uh, since it wasn't exposed yet uh, by, you know, a convention of, uh, by Congress and an investigation, it was too early in the process for you to really yeah. talk about it. Well, and partly the reason that he was threatened was that, you know, he opened his mouth about some things they didn't mm -hmm. want exposed at that time. Yeah. Because he was not only a hypnotic subject in the program, he, he, he went through that for uh, over a year before I came along. And by that time, they had assigned him to be a training hypnotist to train new subjects to go under hypnosis so that the doctors at the Institute could work with them for the deep hypnosis experiments, which also involved LSD. So I was uh, assigned to my co-author, John Selby, as his subject. And um, he had been through some things that had actually, at that time, made him... I don't know whether you use the word unstable. I'm going to say uncomfortable. Uh, you know, psychological crisis, mm. because yeah. he didn't want to quit. He didn't want to leave the Institute. They were promising him at, at that time a draft deferment, saying they mm -hmm. could get him a draft deferment for staying on full-time the next year after he graduated. And he wouldn't be sent to Vietnam. He should stick with them. He was their boy. Um, but on the other hand... What they had done to him was leading him into this psychological crisis, which you read in the book. And mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons the book is really interesting is with two authors, it's two points of view, back and forth between my naivete, you see, because when I got into the program, I didn't know 
anything about what I was headed for. He did. You know, and he already was aware that it could have some dark consequences, but he didn't want to stop. So, uh, you know, you see it, you see what we both lived and how it intersected. Let me go on to this because I I know that uh, he spoke, John spoke to the president of Princeton. Uh, who found out about some of this research and uh, was concerned for the school and concerned for the people involved. And the president of Princeton said to John, I've never had any desire to distort my God-given perceptions of the world. You're saying my entire life is a product of some part of my brain that doesn't let me see things the way they are. I simply cannot agree with you. The whole so-called psychedelic movement sounds like a last-ditch attempt to escape from the real pressures of life, the pressures we all have to deal with in order to survive. What would happen to our country if everyone started expanding his consciousness, as you put it, and no one was left to maintain the basic structure of our culture? But it, it was a clash of two completely different points of view. Right. And they're both right. Really, I mean, you know, President Goheen supported the traditions of hundreds of years of, of Princeton, you know, one of the very first colleges in the nation, uh, steeped in the days from the Revolutionary War, from before the Revolutionary War, actually. Um, and that culture, that tradition has always been there. It's been a sort of a patrician school for the upper crust and the rich, from its early history, and then it began letting in the rabble. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, wait, let, me, let me say this to you. As a person interested in advancing in modern times an understanding of expanding the mind and consciousness to be aware of metaphysical realities, I'm a medium and yeah. I, I'm an intuitive healer, and I've done it, and I, I do it without drugs and through traditions, ancient healing traditions, and it doesn't have to be done with any danger of drugs. And I, I want to keep the best of the past, and I want to move us into higher consciousness, as many people as are ready for it, because some people truly just are not and won't do it the right way, and we will have some negative results as a bund, as a result of not doing it right. So I want to accept that uh, since many other leaders and people are still involved in greed and uh, cor- corruption and control and destruction of ideas and some of the realities uh Destruction of the very world we're living in. Yes, in all okay. Kinds of ways. Let, let us yeah. go there. Exactly. So there are many mm-hmm. people that are out for different motives, but it, you yeah, you, they you, could you, use an awakening. Yes, and, and but but see, you cannot you can have not have yeah. a society stoned out and drugged out and laying like the people in China in opium opium dens used to do to achieve higher consciousness and connect the spirit and a higher reality, which exists, by the way. But we can't get there by giving up living consciously. Because as we live consciously in this time and place and world, we can't connect to the higher uh, worlds, but we still don't destroy. We build and create. 
So I'm just uh, not happy uh, with the negativity in thinking that we can all just take a trip and realize that there is life after death and there is, uh, you know, a higher reality and awareness to be had because it takes work to do it. And consistency, you can't just do it with drugs. That's you know, with, what with, I mean. With all, with all respect for the, the blueprint that it takes work to do it, yes, but there are all different kinds of ways and all different kinds of circumstances, some of which justify uh, uh, experiencing a psychological shock. And I think that's one way you could describe what John Selby and I went through, psychological shock. Uh, don't jump to the word awakening or illumination well, or any of that. The it point may, is, it, it was, it was, that. was, it was it's that. a breakdown. It's a breakdown of the mindset of the narrow mindset, if you will, of, um, of, of the normal everyday waking consciousness that generally and for most people doesn't allow or permit or is designed not to permit those different expanded um, ways of perceiving the world in which we live where Look, the point is made in our book that our brain is designed to eliminate stimulation, eliminate data, to narrow the inflow of all of the massive stimuli that comes at us, whether it's sound or sight or, uh, you know, our, our hearing range is limited compared to certain animals. Same with vision. And... Uh, there are certain areas of our brain, maybe the primitive areas of our brain, that are suppressed by mechanisms that have evolved. Well, some of these experiences that we talk about in Blowing America's Mind change all that and, and abruptly and suddenly catapult you into experiences that overwhelm you. You know, President Nixon declared drug abuse as a public enemy number one, and now we've got President Trump with an opioid addiction crisis. Now, I, I'm all for using anything that will help people reach a higher consciousness and a better lifestyle and a better awareness of who they truly are as energetic spiritual beings having a physical life. But the reason we have some need for control is because in the case what happened with you, you weren't totally aware of what you were getting into. You were very young. And you well, can, we were lied to. And you, all right, we so, so you were lied to. Even worse, even worse. But, but the point being, um, we have to be very careful with how we talk about the benefits of something uh, without focusing on the negative aspects. Now, you can tell us about some wonderful experience you had when you took LSD, and you can also probably tell us about a terrifying example that happened, right? You That's would, all true. Like sure. in dreams. In dreams, we have sure. wonderful moments, and then we have terrifying moments. So what we sure. want to build on is the best way to approach reaching higher consciousness consciousness and the best way for government agencies medical companies and everyone else in the search and pursuit of uh, a higher way of living as human and spiritual beings to proceed effectively responsibly and in these times that we're living in right now so uh, tell us uh, 
about why the New Jersey Neuropsychiatric Institute changed its name, and then it was finally shut down. And you tried to go back there, and yeah. what did you find out? Well, okay, there's a lot of questions there all at once, so let me sort of sort them out. Uh, first of all, at the time we were doing the research, Humphrey Osman, who was so interested in the um, the effects of the psychedelic drugs, he didn't like the term that was used for this class of drugs. All the different drugs are different. This is a class of drugs he called psychedelics mind manifesting, and it included LSD-25. Uh, it in, included the so-called magic mushrooms, psilocybin, and the peyote cactus plant, uh, peyote. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to know how to differentiate what the state that these drugs would put someone into from madness, psychosis, mm-hmm. schizophrenia, uh, because he felt that they weren't the same, that it was two different things. Yet up until that point, psychiatrists called this class of drugs psychotomimetic, which means mimicking psychosis. All right, he didn't agree, but he wanted to know more. And he got the CIA involved in financing his research, uh, and so it became part of MKUltra, and he was using hypnosis to attempt to duplicate the effects of both psychosis and the psychedelic drugs. Okay, so um, on the one hand, I think one of the most terrifying and dangerous aspects of what they were exploring was memory blocking and memory erasure. Mm. The CIA had a strong interest in that because they felt if they could have a program to put retiring CIA agents through to wipe their memories mm. clean, like wiping a hard drive of a computer, which yep. didn't exist then, uh, that they, they wouldn't even know the classified information anymore. It could never be divulged through them. It wouldn't be there anymore. So memory erasure was one of the things that they were, um, you know, that they were driving at. Um, and now, as far as can you make somebody do something that they wouldn't want to do using hypnosis? Well, not directly, no, yeah. but indirectly, yes. I mean, one of the techniques you'll see in Blowing America's Mind that they would hypnotically condition John Selby to experience nausea when in the presence of a certain woman that they didn't want him having a relationship with. Yeah, I remember that story so, in the book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And hypnotherapy can be used to help people reestablish different behavior patterns. They can, uh, on, you know, with addictions and smoking and uh, weight yeah. disorders and, and emotional problems to reprogram the brain so that it actually can function past the trauma and upset. And that's a very positive thing that can be done and should be done. But I want to thank you, Paul Jeffrey Davids, along with John Selby, for your amazing, interesting personal experience with the CIA MK Ultra LSD Deep Hypnosis Research while you were students at Princeton, and telling us about some of the effects and the people that you met uh, at that time in your life. For more information and to purchase this very interesting book, go to blowingamericasmind.com.
In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, we have shared the challenging journey of our authors, Paul Jeffrey Davids and John Selby. Young people have always been easily open to new experiences and journeys of the mind and spirit as curiosity and exploration, along with the hopes of living life joyfully, is the natural instinct of the soul. However, in the physical world, there are many conditions that can destroy the open-hearted trust in life and the goodness in people that most of us instinctively have and ascribe to. The type of experiments, willingly or unwillingly, on many unsuspecting people described in the book may cause the public to lose trust in governmental, educational, and medical objectives. And while some good might be gathered from a scientific approach, the safety and sanctity of the person must always be the first order of any research program. As Jeffrey described, the difference between his LSD experience and the trans state sessions he was subjected to, he wrote this, No, this was not like LSD trips he had just experienced, which had shown him reality with great intensity. There was nothing real about what he was undergoing now in this hypnotic trance state. It was a false reality existing only in his mind, but it certainly did seem to him in every sense as if it were actually real. It affected his ability to recognize who and what he was and set up a false set of objectives that had been placed in his mind by another person, group, with their own agenda and process in mind and which were almost impossible to release. This is the danger of substance such experiments, playing with someone's thoughts and erasing their own perception of who and what life they choose, is a crime. Paul Jeffrey Davids and I would have you know that finding out more about who you are as a spiritual being, having a physical life with the ability to make connections to this higher realm of intelligence and higher consciousness is what we all seek in one way or another, whether we acknowledge it or not. But the best way to experience this growth is simply by living each day and observing the clues offered from spirit in the form of synchronicity, coincidences, or signs that lead you to reach your destiny and ultimate goals in a loving, safe, and creative way. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, and invite you to visit my website, CherylGlick.com, to read about and listen to authors who search time, space, and universal life to answer questions that uplift the human spirit and create a better quality of life for us through wisdom. Shows may also be heard on DreamVision7Radio.com and WebTalkRadio.net. Thank you for listening.